might desync the, the claps. You might mix, mix one clap up with the other. Oh, I never mix up claps, Sam. Oh. Welcome, everybody. Uh, this is the Bunker Cast, uh, watching the end of the world happen before our eyes. Hope oh you're my all God. getting comfy. Can I just. Your, uh, can I, I, I. This has actually been weighing on my mind for like a week now, so can I get something out of the way pretty early on? Yeah, sure. My go. intention last week. <laughs> When I was downplaying the coronavirus was to, to ease minds. It wasn't to, to wipe away the, the, the fear, but it was just, hey, it's not, it's not awful. It's not the worst. You know, we'll, you'll be okay. Don't, I have people coming into the store all the time freaking out, saying conspiracy theories about where they thought the virus started from. So I wanted to calm some people down. Uh, two days later, I declared a worldwide pandemic. So uh, egg on my face. <laughs> Uh, be scared. Well, if no, you want I to be scared. <laughs> I've had I've had a lot of time to think about this, Sam, and I think that you're actually right. I think that it's not a big deal, and I think that it's actually a conspiracy um, against the American people. Really? Because you see, um, our our good friend and uh, and prophet Q uh, over on 4chan has announced that he uh, he is aware of a plot to uh, to send all the deep state agents uh, to Guantanamo Bay. And so uh, this is stage one of the storm. Get ready. The storm's coming. We are the cure. Crimson Tide. Here it comes. Uh, you said Q? Is that the Star Trek guy? Like, So this was a, uh, this was a Twitter uh, rabbit hole I fell down the other oh, day no. because um, tw- some, Tom Hanks posted something about how he's feeling better. And some, some weirdo was like mass spamming this tweet uh, of like, Tom Hanks is a pedophile. Good for him for getting coronavirus. And I was like, who the, who is this guy? And so I I clicked on his account and I found that this this whole scene going on in in the deep dark spaces of the internet. Of course. Where this guy named Q like a couple months ago showed up on on 4chan and 8chan claiming to be like an insider in the government and uh and he's like saying that Trump's whole plan is to enact this like basically political judgment day to throw all of the Pizzagate and deep state people into Guantanamo Bay using mass arrests and like some giant, um, you know, liberal culling basically. And that he's been using coded languages in all of his speeches to declare that it's happening. And the coronavirus is step one. It's like the cover that gets everyone into their homes while the agents go out and take everyone out, I you know? see. So the, there is no virus. It's just no, okay. The, everyone's freaking out. Now we can, under cover of of fear, abduct these exactly. People. And you're gonna and and they're they're pointing out that like the only people who are getting the virus so far publicly are like Tom Hanks, who was in the middle of the PizzaGate scandal. You know, people think he's a he's a you know he goes after the younger the younger folk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's one of those. He's mm-hmm. in that group for some reason. And I didn't think, even know he had the coronavirus, so this is all news to me. This is great. Yeah, he caught it. He caught it in Australia. He's in like Perth right now in a, in a hospital. Um, so uh, so yeah, so that that was a fun thing to read about and, and poison my mind with. Uh, no, this is good. This is all valuable information. You know, uh, you know, like when you're a kid, you just see a big old wooden log and you flip it over in the forest. And there's just bugs, <laughs> like all sorts of gross stuff on the other side. That's what you did, but with the internet. 
it's like uh, there, there's a YouTube channel I like where they uh, they time lapse things rotting over like two months. Oh my god! And gosh. so they put like a stake in like a in a white room and just point a camera at it for like fifty days, and uh, and like okay the 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 stake like turns green and starts to shrivel up. Okay, that's nasty. And then like at the end, he comes in with his like big gloves and lifts the stake and flips it over and I'm pretty sure my mind went blank because the horror I could not process so I can't remember what's on the other side of that just stake. like I'm pretty sure it was like thousands of maggots the size of like my oh, fingers like wiggling around no, and just no, like no. undulating and I'm just like no thank you please no mm. more so we're starting off on a great, a great foot on this episode. And it's the funny good. thing is, this episode is not going to air for like another month. So we'll see like what. Oh yeah, I, what I, things I, are going to be like for, in a the, month from now. <laughs> the funniest thing to me is going back. So for for those who don't know, as of this recording, we're officially uploading. It sounds like. Mm-hmm. Well, we're, uh, we're approved on Spotify, and that's it so far. But everything else is in process of uh, of being. Catch me on Spotify, baby. Yeah. Uh. But I, I, I guess uh, I've lost my train of thought. Oh no, I hate it when this happens. I just had a total brain fart. I had something I wanted to say, but uh, something so. about uh, we're posting this. Uh, oh right, late. we're we're online now. Uh, but uh, yeah, I went and listened to our first episode, and we're talking about like before the Super Bowl, the the oh, yeah, <laughs> the, 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 the commercials, Mister Mister Peanut. Peanuts' death. It's like, oh gosh, that didn't age terribly well. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should stick out of current events if we're going to be at like a five episode delay. Eh, it ha- it's hard not to talk about some current events, but I mean, I-, I think either way it'll be an interesting time capsule. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, how uh, how have you been? How have you been staying safe? I hear that uh, satyrs are uh, are getting limited. Something. Satyrs are, the... Satyrs are being canceled, baby. It's coming up, and uh, we're, we're coming can't up on the... Can't have the stranger, the, the right? Promised can't day. have the stranger come over? The, the stranger? Elijah, you mean? The prophet? Yeah. He's, he's like no that's... stranger. He's a friend of mine. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just read your mom's Facebook message, like post about this, so I, that, that's, that's why I know that this is an issue. So. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, how do you know about all this? <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, uh, I mean, we're basically, because we're, you know, I'm in the Bay Area, uh, dox me, baby, uh, there's a lot of fear, because, you know, there actually are cases around here of the coronavirus, mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, people are, are schools are, are canceled, uh, like, the colleges have, have sent all the kids away and said, don't come back for spring quarter, mm-hmm. uh, our store uh, has a new 100-person cap on it. Uh, there's just a new ordinance. No more than 100 people can meet in any space, uh, can gather mm-hmm. in any space during this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have to be mindful of that. We're wiping down all the surfaces. Like, it's... it's It is... We're seeing a lot of reaction around here. Um, well, that's good. I mean, you would... Uh, the thing that, that I think is going to be weird is that, like... Let's say all of the, these measures and the social isolating works really well and, like, everyone ends up being fine. 
it's it's going to be annoying because for a lot of people that'll be like, oh, we didn't need to do that. Right. It's the proof. You know? that you don't, it's the it's the 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 vaxxer, the anti-vaxxers argument. Right. That right. the proof that I don't need it is that everyone else has it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like it'll just be annoying because like the fact that everyone overreacted is probably what, you know, prevented it from being worse than it is. Mm-hmm. And so. Although yeah, it's been know. interesting, I, I've seen really the entire gamut of uh, re- reactions. Like I, I've seen women coming in who are you know older and they're talking about how they think it's a chemical weapon from another country or like that's a conspiracy that there is no disease. And then I'm also seeing like uh, on Monday, one of the like the first day or Tuesday, the first day that it was declared a pandemic, some punk kid comes in. And he's wearing a respirator, first of all. He's not... When you work in a hobby store, you can tell the difference between these kind of masks. He's wearing a respirator, not a sick mask, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, a mask used for when you're, like, spray painting or, or painting something and don't want to breathe in the fumes. Yeah. Uh, he had a big backpack, and clearly he was coming in to, like, steal something. And right. so our store has a policy of, hey, like you can't have a backpack in the retail area. So when I tried to ask him for his backpack, he was like, ah, no, nah, it's fine. You don't, you don't need my backpack. It's fine. Uh, I can't even put anything in it. Uh, it's too heavy anyway. And I kept on politely pushing, oh, no, it's okay. I'll I'll take your backpack. I'm not even going to look at it. I'm not even going to open it up. I just need to hang on to it over here. And he did not want to let it go. And it just kind of proved to me that, like, this guy wanted to wander around back with his mask on. And put conceal some, his identity. Conceal his identity, and and he didn't want to give up his his backpack. I think uh, I think he was taking advantage of the situation. That kind of reminds me of a, a couple months ago. I was walking to work, and I passed by this guy, this gigantic like elephant man. Not like the elephant man, but like a, just a big dude, just a like big man, really tall, really wide, coming at, coming down. He he had some some weird like can in his hand, and he had a giant like a yeah like can like <laughs> gas mask on, so I couldn't see his face. Oh gosh, he was and 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 I mean this was month this was before the coronavirus, so this had nothing to do with that. This was yeah. probably in December or something, yeah, or November, and I and he, he walks by. And I'm like, that was weird. And I keep going, and I see on like the side of a building in giant silver spray paint, hashtag climate hoax. There he is. He's done and his I'm work. Like, I saw him. I saw the man. I saw. I, I looked into you the saw eyes the, of the creature that did this. <laughs> the the ghoul <laughs> emerging from his swamp. A, a giant, a, a great Goliath came up and. Plastered this message on the wall. <laughs> Delivered his address to the public. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and uh, that giant hashtag climate hoax was there for another three months, I think, until they finally washed it away. <laughs> I mean, it's it's been it's been pretty wild here, though. I mean, uh, I, I just posted. We have a little uh, group chat for our high school friends, but uh, I just posted in that yesterday. I think you saw. Uh, I went to lunch uh, with my dad for, at uh, a local eatery that we all enjoy. The name will be not redacted, in, not included. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, as I was eating there, uh, you know, we were having our food, and we saw them put the sign up and like had the they, they made the decision of like, yeah, this is getting worse and worse. We mm-hmm. just got to shut down until this thing's over. And they shut down the restaurant and said, hey, due to the virus, we're closed until further notice. Mm-hmm. 
and that's that's just wild to me. I'm, see, I'm seeing businesses close. I'm seeing I'm seeing people staying inside. For twenty celebrations canceled in Vancouver. That's when you know it's, it shit's really hit the fan. Yeah, I had a I was I was invited to a to a, a, a not Fourth of July a, a St. Patrick's Day event this this mm-hmm. last weekend, and I didn't get to go because. Uh, People smartened up and said, "Hey, uh, maybe we shouldn't do this while yeah. uh, while we have this quarantine going on." Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird, uh, weird time, but uh, an interesting time. An interesting I think, uh, time. I'll be, you know, my my real curiosity. I mean, beyond just fear of of the economic ramifications and and things like that. Um, I my real curiosity is what this period in time is going to be re- remembered how it's going to be remembered in media and like historical context just is it going to be seen as like a massive like mimetic social thing or is it going to feel very justified in how people react i mean I, we went to costco yesterday we went mm-hmm. to uh, and grocery shopping as well just because we were due for it it's not like we were trying to bulk up or anything but um it was interesting to see you know certain things just not for sale anymore mm-hmm. and a lot of it non-perishables and things that can last for a long time and i think that's a, a justifiable thing to to want to bulk up on if you feel like you're not going to be able to leave your home for a long time as is happening in some countries um so certainly people are, are justified in, in feeling like that might be the case but you know, we'll see. Like I said, this episode's going to go up a month from now, and uh, I wonder if things are going to get better or worse by then, or, or how things are going well, to We almost have to, to like, make a bet here as we're talking. Like, do you think it's going to get better or worse? How is this going to age? Yeah, I mean, there, we've already seen countries that have a, uh, adopted policies fast enough that they're able to sort of stem the tide of new infections. I mm-hmm. mean, South Korea is definitely a big example. I think I, I've heard from someone who was just in Taiwan that they basically prevented it from spreading at all to begin with because of really harsh measures they took. Mm-hmm. I don't know if uh, in North America a lot of those things are possible just because of the size and the culture and, and the way people are. But um, because a lot of what we're seeing in, in Europe specifically is um, um, kind of like major... Uh, emergency situation um like reduction of freedom yeah in personal movement and personal liberty that i don't i just don't see is going to go over well in, in north america <laughs> i think that our, our attitudes about that kind of thing even, even outside of of certain spectrums of the political uh you know sphere i think that just culturally don't settle well yeah i, you know? I, I feel like uh america if you were to put it into a sentence could be defined as the you can't tell me what to do country exactly (laughs) yeah and i mean canada is a little you know obviously more skewed towards sort of like globalized democracy in a way that the u.s is not so i feel like those things might work better here in fact a lot of the complaints i've heard from people is that the uh provincial and federal governments aren't doing enough really intensive things to stem the issue but i i've also heard that they're doing a lot on on the back end that isn't as public um, mm-hmm. but yeah i don't know it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be an interesting couple of weeks uh do you it's think just, that your store is going to close i mean do you think you'll be out of work is that gonna affect you i do you i don't think i'm gonna be out of work certainly things have slowed down a lot um 
I, I think as long as I'm healthy, I'm going to still be working um, just because they want to keep the store open. Uh, we're, we're not handling food or anything like that. And, uh, you know, all things considered, a, a game store is a pretty good business to be in when people are looking for things to do in quarantine. Uh, I've, ha- yeah. I've had a lot of customers coming in just saying like, hey, I need a game I can play by myself. Or like, hey, I need oh, a game sure. that, that I can play with the kids just like at home we got to be able to play it like 30 times. What do you mm-hmm. got? Um, and I bet there's going to be a, a significant sales boost in video games too. Oh, I'm sure. Right. I'm sure. Particularly, I'm thinking digital sales. I'm thinking... Mm-hmm. Uh, so So one thing that actually happened recently in my world uh, was there was a uh, magic draft going on. Uh, so if you weren't aware, the mystery boosters are now released into magic stores. Uh, those are... Uh, special packs that are basically an amalgamation of ev- of a bunch of different cards from a bunch of different sets. Uh, great mm-hmm. for drafting. And so there was a uh, uh, event that I was going to go to uh, yesterday that was canceled mm-hmm. because of obvious reasons. Right. But uh, what I've seen actually is that in the wake of physical events being canceled for Magic, there's been an uptick, at least in my experience, um, in people playing Magic Arena and MTGO, the uh, mm-hmm. older client that has all the cards in it, Magic the Gathering Online. And so I, I just yesterday started doing a, a draft in MTGO, and gosh, uh, same experience because it's the same card pool, but it's mm-hmm. it's really interesting to me that, that uh, the physical event was canceled and we had to do like a digital thing or i i I did a digital thing you know and sure it was Mm -hmm. still with people on the internet it was still in real time it was real drafting not bot drafting but it was interesting to me it makes me think about how if people are are starting to think the incubation period might be about three uh three months for this thing right um it makes me wonder if we're gonna see like a rise this year of of just digital stuff yeah, I mean, we're already seeing that in terms of events. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that uh, you know, with E three being canceled, there's going to be a lot of uh, switches to digital events in, in sort of the style of Nintendo and Sony. Um, that is probably going to work out very well for those parties, and they'll realize that that was just the right thing to do all along. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've seen a lot of award shows say they're going all digital. I've seen um, a lot of just really um, drastic measures taken to prevent people from being in a, in a shared space. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see if that leaves a permanent impact on the way people are. Is this going to have like a permanent effect on, on global culture? Is that going to make people just more isolated in general? I mean, are there going to be lingering fears about this kind of thing happening again? Oh, yeah. That's that's the kind of thing that I, I'm thinking about Um and I mean, I, don't uh, know. I think I think it's 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 an interesting reflection of of our time. You know, uh, I'll definitely say, uh, and and this might come across as a little jaded, but uh, when I heard about the situation in Japan a couple of weeks ago or last week or so with the people stuck on the cruise ships, um, my first reaction was, you know, in ten years there's going to be a musical about the people on the cruise ships, <laughs> like. <laughs> that's just yeah. coming. That's that's it's a mm. moment in time, right? Sure. And, and musicals, the musical crowd loves moments in time. <laughs> of course, yeah. I know, that's definitely true. I also wonder if that's just going to eliminate the cruise ship industry, you know? I feel like people are going to be so 
Like, I, I would never want to step on a cruise ship again with the thought of being, like, quarantined on it for weeks. You well, know what I mean? so my, my thought is that with cruise ships, I've only been on a cruise once, so I'm not the best judge of this. But uh, the impression that I got from being on that cruise ship was because it was the Joko cruise, and they were a little more tongue-in-cheek than I think most cruise ships are. But they were very transparent of, this is just a bucket of germs and we're all living in it, so be sure to, like, Purell, stay healthy, like, if you, like don't spread disease if you're sick. They were very transparent about, like, the, a cruise ship is the easiest place to get sick. Oh, yeah. Even before this current, um, you know, pandemic, I've heard lots of stories about what, what are called as poop cruises, you mm-hmm. know, poop where everyone cruises. gets, like, dysentery yeah. because something's in the water. And or it, something's it, in the salad. Yeah, and everyone shares it. I mean, it's all like share buffets and yeah. you know, people touching things and close quarters. So, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like um, I, I wonder if there's just going to be like an aversion to things like that. Well, the, the, the I was I was going to say the the big appeal of the cruise though is I think that they're kind of an all expenses paid vacation. That's. Mm-hmm. Uh, relatively more affordable than maybe going somewhere else maybe yeah you know know. like i think uh a a cruise a a ticket on a cruise ship might cost you like two thousand dollars for the entire trip all food included like Mm -hmm. everything so it's it's an affordable vacation but yeah that's true yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see uh in the wake of this though if, if the cruise industry survives yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's obviously just just in terms of things getting canceled and there being a lull in tourism generally. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of companies are probably going to go down as a result of that. But I, I wonder, I just, yeah, like things like this, I mean, don't happen very often. I mean, friends of ours in, in our group have kind of pointed out that this is probably the biggest sort of global event that is shared universally since something like World War II, you know? Like there are probably more acute things that are that affect people bigger. Yeah. Um, in certain places, like, I mean, obviously 9-11 is a big one. The recession is another big one. But, I mean, a lot of those things kind of affect certain people or certain areas and not others. And this is kind of the first one where everybody everywhere is being affected by it. Yeah. Kind it, of all it, at the same time. Kind of. We, we didn't contain it, and it's it's coming to get us. Yeah. And uh, so it's, yeah, it's just, um, I don't really know how to process it in the middle of it. I think that there's going to be a lot of... of a lot of time to think about it afterwards. Yeah, and... absolutely. I think uh, I, I saw an article a couple weeks ago or a couple days ago uh, that was comparing it to uh, other um, famous diseases in the past, um, mm-hmm. and they were doing it to the point of because our our president said that uh, it was a, he he called it in his address a foreign disease, and so historians latched onto that, saying like, okay, so bigotry is going to follow, like. <laughs> Here, here's yeah. a bunch of diseases that happened in the past, and here's the groups that got targeted with each one. Um, but the one that I, I had forgot about, but I do remember it, was uh, in 2003, uh, there was a pretty big SARS scare. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, regrettably, that one also kind of came out of China, and the the people in the United States who got persecuted a lot for it were Chinese Americans. But uh, it, it kind of... that that, that put it in perspective for me of, of like, oh yeah, well, I was certainly, I remember the SARS outbreak, but 
I never really, it, it didn't register as this event to me in the same way. So I mm-hmm. kind of, I, I do kind of wonder, yeah, when this is all over, is this going to be a big thing that we remember or is it going to be a blip? You know, is this, if it's yeah. cured by next year, are we going to care? Is it going to be a highlight in the, uh, in the yearbook? Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I mean, I think that even, even without there being like millions of deaths or whatever, it's still going to last in terms of the economic impact. Um, For sure. Th- there's probably going to be another recession. People are going to lose their jobs. There's mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, of dips in uh, stock exchanges and things like that. I mean, we've seen that already. I mean, obviously, a lot of governments are trying to pump money into credit uh, to prevent that from being as bad as it could be. But, I mean, it, with people being indoors, a lot of industries are going to suffer. I mean, obviously, airlines are going to sink. Restaurants are going to close. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that are going to be uh, affected pretty severely by it. And certainly certain industries that are going to benefit from it, as we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think... On the whole, uh, it's going to uh, leave a lot of people having to kind of scramble the way they did in 2008, unfortunately, which is uh, not not good. So not good. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think that the chance of it being something that everyone just forgets about in a couple of months is probably impossible because oh, of not, that. Not a couple of months, but I'm thinking a couple of years. Okay. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it depends on how quickly it, it gets resolved. And I mean, because similar things with like, like we've talked about last last week with the bubonic plague, like there mm-hmm. are still cases that pop up every now and then. And I think that just the, the, the nature of how contagious it is, it's going to uh, to pop up. And especially if we never find like a, a capital C cure, yeah. you know, if, if the solution is a vaccine, there are people who are not going to get vaccinated just because there's 8 billion people. You know, and there are a lot of people in areas that probably don't have access to vaccines or couldn't afford it or, or all kinds of situations that would create new opportunities for it to show up. I don't think it's it's probably going to be 100% eliminated forever anytime soon. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And and people have been making those comparisons to the, the plague or the, the other one I've heard is the Spanish flu. Um, mm. Well, the Spanish flu was, I think, a lot more deadly but it was a similar situation of just suddenly a disease that that mm-hmm. we, we don't know how to cure is kind yeah. of sweeping through the world. Yeah, and that was at a particularly bad time because I think it was in the middle of World War One. So it was. obviously, there's a lot of uh, sort of nasty shit going on that's making that a lot, a lot worse. Um, a lot of movement of people, stuff like that. So, but I I would say I mean again looking at it just kind of trying to pull back and and seeing like the other things that are going on like interesting timing for this to be happening right like oh, yeah. we've got our election coming up that's that's certainly gonna make things odd the uh, olympics are this year we, the olympics are this year and gosh i i can't imagine how terrified uh japan must be i mean who knows if it's even gonna happen right shinzo abe announced that their official position is that it will happen it's up to the ioc to cancel at this point uh-huh um, but it is in july late July, so there's still a lot of time for things to be changed and uh, policies to be enacted to make it so that, like, it can happen in a, in a way that, that prevents spread as much as possible, but that's going to color the entire thing. I mean, oh, yeah, and and uh, my heart goes out to, to the Japanese Olympic Committee or whatever, because or whoever's in charge of the Olympics in Japan, because they've been working on this for four years, right? Like, the, mm-hmm. what horrible timing <laughs> for this yeah. to happen. And if they if it cancels, it's not like they can just do it next year. Right. You know, it, if they cancel it, it's not happening. Yes. So, <laughs> like, 
Yeah, that that was a really. I mean, or for this to be a... happening on the on the heels of Brexit too, like it's mm-hmm. it's just not good timing for anyone really. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's let's um let's transition because I don't want this whole episode to be just a gigantic bummer. For sure. But uh, tell me something that that you know is making you making you optimistic. Something something good. Something that makes me happening. optimistic. Uh oh. Uh, well, this isn't really a, a a topical thing, but uh, so one of the benefits of of working in a, a game store is sometimes people come in with their old collections of uh okay. of. of accessories or items or, or, or whatever, board games. Someone came in the other day, dropped off a collection of Pokemon cards. Oh. Oh my gosh, Travis. I've had so much fun these past couple days reorganizing and and picking out the cards I want to keep. And I, I finally got rid of most of the cards. I only have the ones I want to keep now. But I have now, for free an almost complete collection of the first three sets of Pokemon cards. Oh my God. It's, so wait, they just gave it to you? No, they just, so we have a, a table on our, in our, in our store called the free table. Oh, and, I and, see. And anybody who's just is dropping stuff off that they don't want, there's, there's books on there. There's games on there. There's puzzles, all sorts of good stuff. Mm-hmm. And somebody just dropped off a binder full of Pokemon cards. Wow. There's probably a lot of money in that. He probably should have done his research a little bit first. You know, I, I was thinking about that. Uh, honestly, I, I just wanted to, to get the cards that were nostalgic to me. Um, mm-hmm. So so I did not look for value. Uh, I know I know some of the misnomers, like the, the, the myth about Charizard, uh, that Charizard was like the rarest one back in the day. He wasn't. He was just the most popular, and that's why mm-hmm. he was rare. Um but he wasn't How any better or, or I'm more valuable. Curious about, I'm curious. I'm going to look this up on eBay. Yeah. Because the thing is, like, even now, Pokemon cards, even current ones, can go for a lot of money. I, I saw somebody, there was a, a stream uh, on Mega64 where they have this new guy who works for them who um, was, like, like, just as a, a camera joke. guy, right? Yeah. As a joke, he was po- opening up Pokemon cards on stream. Yeah. And he was looking for this one Charizard, this new shiny Charizard that's in the new packs. Yeah. And he opened it, and he opened the packs, and there it was. And uh, he went to the ga- a game store. It's uh, this one, right? No, no, it, it's black. It's the uh, black. shiny, like oh, shiny oh, Charizard. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know the one you're talking about. He like went into a game store and sold it to them for a hundred dollars. Like they just gave him a crisp hundred dollar bill. Yep. Yep. Uh, and, uh, it's, uh, it's, the older cards don't really keep their value that much, but that Shining Charizard is a newer card. Yeah. But I've got a, got a couple of those Shining, Shining Boys. Oh, well, what is that? Shining Genesect, okay. Yeah, yeah, Shining Jirachi. So when you said the first three sets, you meant like the first three generations, or? Uh, so, so he actually, it, it was a, it was a... A lot of just a bunch of Pokemon cards. So okay. I just pulled aside all the cards that I thought were interesting and put them in that little one. But then mm-hmm. I also I have a larger binder that's the first three sets. And that's, you know, Jungle, Fossil, and the base set. And uh, the Rocket set that people know about. Okay, I see, I see. But it's been just a trip. I mean, gosh, looking at those images, there's there's some cards that I just look at them and I'm immediately transported back in time to when I w- was first seeing... You know, like the the card when mm-hmm. when someone showed it to me for the first time. Like, uh, I don't know why, but that 3D electrode picture, you know the oh, one. Oh yeah, that yeah, one. 
always takes me back to a specific moment where I'm like hearing Living La Vida Loca. It's like 1999, like, or maybe it's 2000. I don't know, but it's mm-hmm. it's it takes you back. It's 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 great, and I'm really happy that I was able to get most of this collection. I I ended up filling it out for like 15 bucks after the fact because he didn't have a Blastoise, but. Uh, mm. It's been really fun to kind of just look back at all these things. That said, uh, this is a quick note. If anyone's looking to pick up secondhand cards, be sure to be hygienic about it. Use lots of Purell, because uh, yeah, cards, much like money, can be a magnet for disease. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's a good point. I should uh, I should probably avoid using cash in the near future on anything. Probably. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a funny. Uh, it, we talk about it at work, right? Because it's a we we handle money. I'm a I'm a cashier, mm-hmm. but uh, you don't think about it. You don't think about it until you're, you're touching your food and just like, oh right, who knows how much other stuff this this has touched. Right. Yeah. Of course. Well, that's cool. Um, I definitely think about like those memories of Pokemon cards pretty often um i didn't ever have like a complete collection or anything but i certainly had ones that i in a similar way that i was playing pokemon i had like the set of ones that mattered to me you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. and uh, i had my own like system of organizing them that made absolutely no sense and yeah so i i, I organized them all out in the the order of the pokedex just because like i, I okay. thought that's the order that i know them in but they're not actually right. in their set order or whatever okay I always organized them by type, and then the type pages weren't really organized in any way other than just like the order I got them. Yeah, I that's guess. how that's how they they came to me. They were organized by type. I think that that works for if you're actually playing the game or if you're just maybe. I never played the game, so I don't know. Like to identify the colors. Yeah, but yeah. It, it's it, uh, it's 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 funny because I remember it's the kind of thing that you know you you when you look up how much a collection of Pokemon cards cost, like you never want to pay for it, but uh, it's something I'm really happy that I have now. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. That's cool. Yeah, I'm glad I kept mine, because I definitely had opportunities to get rid of it. But... Oh, yeah. I, I, I remember there was a year uh, when I was just cleaning up my room. I remember specifically I was listening to Ultimate Creature, which was a uh, uh, Castlevania remix done with done with, like, electric guitars it was great but i just mm-hmm. destroyed all of my pokemon cards my Yu-Gi-Oh cards bunch of my old magic cards really regret it now but it was a great day what do you day. mean destroy like you put them in a blender like what make, made pulp no, like what I, do you mean i had them in a bag I, so okay. so first of all let's start there they, they were being kept in a bag not in a binder just the cards were in like a plastic bag and i just opened the bag and put them in the trash can wow you never know what you're going to miss, you know, yeah. when you do that. Um, you never know. I feel like I had a, a hoarder mentality most of my life, so I didn't actually get rid of things that I really... Th- there's a couple things. I'm, I've gotten really into the whole, like, iPod modding scene. Yeah. And I am, like, I regret what I did in the past, because I had, a, I had like, the two, like, good iPods, the iPod video... And then I had like the, iP- the the last iPod Classic, the seventh gen, 160 gigabyte, and both of them their hard drives fail as they do, and I uh-huh. was just like, okay, they're they're garbage now, so I sent them to recycling. And if I had known, I'm shaking my head. Those things, like just to buy them, like for repairs, still cost like over a hundred dollars, mm-hmm. at least the seventh gen. Like I would, I mean, that's like 
I could, you could put a terabyte in those things yeah. and they still work. Like wow. I, I uh, I'm really upset at myself for, Dang, for doing that. Maybe I should but, update uh, my old iPod. I've got I've still got it. Do you have the? Because uh, you have the the photo right that your brother gave you. Uh, I have a photo and I have an old. Uh, I think I have a black and white. I don't know if it's the seventh gen, but I have a black and white one. The black and white one stopped after fourth. So okay. there's a fourth, and then the mini was like the the other black and white. I must have a fourth because it's not a mini. Okay, but it has the click wheel. Yes. With the buttons on it. Okay, yeah. it's probably fourth. That's what I what I use predominantly. Um, those are good. You can probably put up to 128 gigabytes um, before it starts having RAM issues. But uh, so what it's are tricky. you what are you listening to on this iPod before we we go any farther and alienate ourselves from our our listener group? Um, well, let's see. I've been so I actually had to wipe my iTunes um, because I was finding that in OSX Catalina. So in OS X Catalina, they switched the device syncing from iTunes to Finder mm-hmm. after they uh, killed off iTunes and replaced it with Apple Music. Yeah. And that syncing software in Finder sucks ass and doesn't work. And so like a lot of the iPod fanatics uh, have been struggling to figure out ways to sort of mitigate that because it just doesn't like show you the space properly. Sometimes it just doesn't work. Sometimes mm-hmm. it crashes. It just doesn't like it. And I found a way that you can actually install older versions of iTunes by, like, basically um, circumventing the system requirements. Um, and so I did that. And it obviously, like, the, the iTunes library file is uh, from a newer version, so it can't read it. So I had to basically throw it in the trash and then start a new one and drag all my files back in, losing all the metadata and everything, which, oh, which is too stinks. bad. but. And it was actually kind of fun to start remaking all of my playlists because a lot of them had gotten kind of old and I just didn't want to, you know, keep adding to them over time. And, and there was a lot of stuff I was getting sick of. So what I'm listening to a lot right now, a lot of metric because metric is good. Mm-hmm. Metric rules. I've been listening to um, a lot of official Suikoden remix albums from like the 90s. Huh. Because I found a website, uh, and maybe you've heard of it, but there's a website called Kingdom Hearts Insider, KH Insider, where they just dump a bunch of, like, MP3s from official albums on there, and you can just download them. And a lot of them are just, like, really old albums that will never be released officially, Mm -hmm. like, ever again. And so uh, there's these, like, really nice jazz and piano albums from from Sui Coden that are really good. I've listened to a lot of that. Oh, cool. Um, And then what else? Uh... Still a lot of future funk. I think uh, when I was asking this question, and I, and you've you've done a very good job, I think, of of giving the breadth of 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 your musical taste, but you also touched on something that I think is is really kind of nice to do every now and then. Uh, I don't know how often people do this on their own, but uh, I had a friend in college who just every I think year, every two years, he would just reinstalls operating system just wipe his computer hmm. and uh i think it's kind of nice to do that with your music too uh i mean we both i think are interested in in old ipods still because uh i mean we we do somewhat different things with them what i end up doing is i i, I collect records and i digitize my records and put them onto the ipod because i'm a piece of hipster garbage but uh <laughs> I think there's something to that Zen Garden 
effect of of mm-hmm. managing your music and and really mm-hmm. making it yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we live in a time now where, don't get me wrong, it's awesome, but music is very disposable. We're, we're used to being able to stream it from anywhere. It's all on demand, whatever you wanted. If it's not on Spotify, it's on YouTube. If it's not on YouTube or Spotify, you've got your own thing or whatever. But it's all very accessible, and I think mm-hmm. people have kind of lost what it's like to have a music collection. Like, yeah. you don't even hear that term anymore, a music collection. Why would you have one? Because right. you could just get everything through streaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, it's weird how I, I kind of, like, my degree of ownership and, like, desire of collecting, like, varies depending on the medium. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because there's certainly not... You don't have room or time or money to do that for everything. Oh, for I sure. Am the, I am the most persnickety about this when it comes to games where I want to own every game I play on physical media. It doesn't matter if it's on Switch or PS4 or whatever. I'm buying the disc or cartridge if I can. I actually still buy a lot of things off of like limited run games for that reason. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, it's not 100%. It's probably 80-20, like the ratio, you know, of, of physical to digital, but that's like where I'm the most kind of... Uh, anal about about that but I, I wouldn't be able to be that way for anything else because like it would just I just don't have the money or time to do that um, with music what I like so much is that you can have total control over the file management you know what I mean yeah like with everything else there's sort of this all this like level of DRM and like file files are worked through a system like even with games like the discs are still licenses like there's still you can't drag the file into a hard drive and like just hold it and, and manage it in whatever software you want or what, like it doesn't, it just doesn't work that way. And so I, I, uh, I need that level of like tactical feel to appreciate it. And so with music, I just like having the files because I can, I can change them. I can convert them. I can, I can apply ratings to them. I can change the file names. I can organize them in whatever way I want. And I, I just, I feel like that's a really fun process. But then with other things like books, I'm totally the like the normie like I just buy things on Kindle and I just like have them on there and I don't worry about it. You yeah, know what I mean? Every, everybody's got their thing. Well, I was going to say I you are uh particularly uh enamored by physical collection with music because like you said you're doing this with records and and cleaning up uh or uh, digitizing records. So I think that you you and I share that same kind of bug, but just for specific different things, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think it's it's we both have a desire to, I think, really interact and make our our media ours. Um, and it, it, it's funny to say our media because it's not ours. No, we're, it's a, it's just, a fool's errand. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're just listening to it. Yeah, but. Uh, Ownership of your media is something that I think is really interesting, and I don't mean that in the le- uh, the legal sense. I mean like when someone's a fan of something, how they can try to dominate the the conversation. How like oh, I'm I'm the biggest Super Smash Brothers fan, and and I'm I'm the the person who knows all about it, and and you should come to me with if you have any questions because I want to be the the knowledge base. Um, and I think that's true for a lot of things. Like, uh, you know, anime, I saw that a lot when I was working in anime. Uh, I saw a lot of people who would really kind of king of the hill information about a character. Like, they would quiz each other about, like, how well do you know 
this this show do you know it as well as I do um, and it became about just like implicit knowledge of of the product but for me uh, I'm not really interested in being a, a you know a, a source for other people but I want to have a tactile intimate experience with my media and so for me r- recording the it, it's the whole process of like taking it out of the the cover putting it on the the, the plate transferring it to a digital thing like I can I, I have to listen to the whole record to transfer it over and then every time I listen to the playback of the the digital file I can hear all the grooves and all the scratches of my record like there's this really intimate relationship I have with the stuff that I dedicate that time to um and it's not I, I don't say that to say like that's why if anybody talks about uh you know Stevie Wonder with me I'm I'm the Stevie Wonder person no, uh, I don't need to have ownership of it in that way, but it's really nice to be able to have that really intimate, close relationship with something, and kind of with someone, even though they're not here, you know? Yeah, no, that makes sense. I uh, I definitely feel that way when it comes to the pageantry of, like, organizing. Like, that's kind of where my weird fixation comes in, is that I want to, like, keep a library you know what i mean yeah a library that i can like pull out for like resources or reference or or just sort of for memory's sake there's something very appealing about that to me um and it's it's weird to um sort of have that contrast with people who sort of only want to uh, enjoy media in like an immediate way you know what i mean yeah, and kind of don't really care about that. But at the same time, like again, I have to remember I'm totally that way when it comes to books. Like books to me are a very I read it once and I don't think about it again. I mean, I think about it, but I'm not like obsessed with the the pageantry of owning books because I, I I hear that from a lot of people where they love the act of organizing, they love the feel of the paper, they love the um the sort of analog method of absorbing information that's really important to them. And I think it just comes or, down to, like, your method of learning and absorbing information, you know? Yeah, I, I, I've even... I knew someone in college who, uh, to, to put a, a farther wrench into this, like, type of person, uh, I knew somebody who uh, would read the digital versions of things on their Kindle, and then when they finished, they picked up the paperback because they wanted to have, like, a trophy. Yeah. Absolutely. They wanted to have the physical, like, oh yeah, I finished the book. I didn't read the paperback, but I want to have a a representation of the book that I finished. Oh, that definitely speaks to me. I, there are games where I've done that, where I've played it digitally, and then like the, they release a physical version. I'm like, oh, I should get that to like mm-hmm. have it be the the remember the the ob, like the the memento mori, you know, the object to remind me that I that I experienced this thing and it's over, you know. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> so. Uh, I don't know if that's even if that term even makes sense in that context, but you know what I mean, like a yeah, like an object to remember this thing by. I think it just I, I'm a particularly visual and a kinesthetic person, like in a mix, and so I I need to touch and see something to appreciate it fully. Um, like I just don't feel like it's something that's exists almost a hundred percent if I can't do that, mm-hmm. you know. And with digital, there's also lots of like logical reasons to be concerned about like things being wiped from servers and stuff not being supported past, you know, their, uh, 
their uh, license periods and stuff like that. Like, there's a lot of uh, examples of that happening, but even just on a personal, I mean, I think... like, lizard brain level, I, I still feel like it's it's this important thing for me to, uh, this important ceremony for me to keep that all in yeah, my I think, existence. I think you and I both have hung on to old hard drives, so to speak, because the console that they're attached to has an, an old game that you can't access anymore. I, so I'm I've, thinking, yeah. you have PT. I have PT still on my PS4 Pro and hopefully uh, soon on my PS5. You know, I'm going to transfer that shit over and have it live on. You know, I, I, I love that. But I have on my, uh, my PS3, I have the Scott Pilgrim game. And... Uh, a great game. I, I had no idea until relatively recently that that one was just kind of... It's got music by Anamanaguchi, and oh, it's wow. just wiped. You can't play it anymore. Like That's crazy. Um, I have right here, I have this older iPhone, and this is going to be... The audience isn't going to be able to see this. I'm sorry. So you're going to just have to believe me. Uh, uh-huh. But I did not upgrade iOS on this because I wanted to keep this little memory uh, from history of uh, uh-huh. Flappy Bird... Oh my God! And uh, and here it is. Here's Flappy he's Bird. He's holding up. He's holding up his phone, and he has Flappy Bird on his phone. And uh, oh my God! Two, three, three, four. Yeah. That's good. It's a great game. Five. I'm doing better than I ever do. This is great. You know the the guy who made that. Uh, you know he took it down, and and he said, "I don't want the money anymore. It's making people stressful." Yeah. He was making like thirty thousand dollars a day or something. Uh huh, and he and he turned it away, and he freaked out and left it. It happens. So yeah, you know, sometimes I, I totally, you freak out. I totally love that experience of uh, of kind of capturing a moment. And part of the the fun with iPods has definitely been like reliving a, a a user experience from another era. You know what I mean? Oh my god! I mean, I love like if you want to talk about like. My favorite font is probably that Apple font. You know the like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like that like blocky. Like yeah. I love the aesthetic of like old iPods old and Macs. old Macintoshes. Yeah, the black like, and white Macs. Black and white Macs, or I I love where they. Uh, I, I can't remember if they were Emacs or iMacs, but the ones that came in different colors. iMacs. Yeah. iMacs. Yeah. Oh my god, I love the whole '90s Macintosh aesthetic. My parents still have a couple of those old iMacs. I kind of want to like dig one out and see what's on it. I remember I had a friend in uh, high school. Uh, he's not a friend anymore, so I'm sorry. You never met him. He was only in, in freshman year. Uh, but but uh, my apologies to you, Billy, if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he had a, an iMac, and on it he played uh, Heroes of Might and Magic 3. Like, it was like some game that was like, even at the time was like, dude, this is an old game, but this is badass. Like, <laughs> this owns. Like, his, his computer would fucking hum. Like, it would, oh, like, no. buzz when it, when it would start to chug. Oh, it was great. That fills me with a lot of a lot of joy, just thinking about I that. I love that. Oh, I wish... I, I, I don't even know how to make it so my icons have... If I could, if I could edit my, my computer's UI to make it so it had, like, the little black text with the white... Or black background with the white text like old mac stuff does oh yeah old mac icons i'd do it hell yeah i bet there's a way i bet you can i mean windows come on you can do that yeah there must be mac ui for windows (laughs) i i had that when i back when i had like my desktop that was like a vista hp piece of shit i had some like custom uh, start bar that was like on the top of the screen and it was like a fake Mac 
Um, oh, that's right. I remember when Vista came out, everyone was doing that. Yeah. I did that too. Yeah, you could. It, customize it was like that. a little little drop in thing that yeah. would pop in. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You're totally right. I had that on my uh, I had that on on my my crappy HP Vista machine, and then also I remember I did that when I uh, boot camped uh, Windows onto my first Mac like my first Mac laptop. Yeah. I added that in because I was like, I just, I just need it now. I like that feature too much. And I think you were even running that in like XP, weren't you? So I was, so I was able to do that. I can't believe you and I both had shitty Vista HP computers. Oh, everyone did it. it that was a pro- that to me is like a penultimate. You went to the high school in like 2006, 2007. Yeah, and you, you had a a crappy. In our area, anyway, we were a relatively well-off area, but that was the laptop everyone got, right? It was like an eight hundred dollar. Mine was Vista a desktop. Machine. It was a a slimline desktop, and I remember right. that was like the first time I'd ever spent that much money on anything, and I really wanted to play like a couple of PC games. So despite it being like a cheap like budget PC, I actually had like a nice graphics card in it. I re- you played Fallout on it. I, I played Fallout 3, I played uh Sins of a Solar Empire, I played Battlefield 2. Uh that was a that was a fun machine and I still had my old CRT monitor from the the computer I had when I was a kid because I couldn't afford Beautiful. a new monitor. So Beautiful. for years I still had this beige CRT monitor with this computer until our, our neighbor had a house fire and they had to get rid of all their shit. So I took their, their nice monitors <laughs> because they just had like low levels of smoke damage. So that uh-huh. was how I was able to use uh, monitors with it. And man, I, I have this, this, this itch in me. Uh, and someday, who knows if I'll actually do it, but I, I've always loved the idea of making, building a PC and putting it in like an old, like, you know, really nice graphics card, really nice everything. Don't skimp on any of the parts, but then putting it in like an old beige case <laughs> from like <laughs> 1995. And I understand, like, anyone who's actually thought about this would know, like, the air the thermals, uh, flow yeah. on the, the, the airflow on those cases, the, the, it's just awful. Like you really can't do it. But I yeah. would love to have a computer that looks old and crappy, but is actually really nice and, and high end. Yeah, that's a fun idea. I, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna ever get into like PC building or not. But it definitely seems like a there's a lot of like room for fun projects like that. I mean, I bet you could with some amount of modding turn anything into a PC case. So mm-hmm. I, I, uh, for a little while, I, I don't, I don't know if I ever showed it to you. I made an emulation station in like 2016. Yeah. You've, uh, you've mentioned it. I, I don't know if I've seen it in person, but um. yeah, it's, it's just a NUC. It's an Intel NUC. Uh, but, uh, I bought it because the NUC is small enough that if I wanted to, and the plan was I wanted to buy an old NES case, mm-hmm. like just the case, none of the guts, mm-hmm. and I wanted to make an NES PC. I wanted to make it so you push the power button on the NES, and that is wired to start the PC on. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make it so you open the little flap and a disc tray comes out. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. That'd be a fun project. I'm sure people have done that, but uh, oh, people have definitely done it. And I feel like nowadays with uh, Raspberry Pis, you could probably do it even easier. You know oh yeah, I mean? oh yeah. Uh, I only went with the NUC because I wanted to be able to do uh, Raspberry Pis can emulate anything I think 32 bit and below pretty oh, okay. easily. So no like GameCube and so no GameCube and and 
barely crossing the finish line for Nintendo 64. <laughs> okay, I see, I see. Hmm. But well, you still got a huge library. True, yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, having a, having an SNES Mini and an NES Mini and now a Genesis Mini, and those being so easily hackable makes me yeah. feel like I don't really need to because the, the UI on those is so, like, crisp. Like, it's so nice to use. Um, and that's honestly why I, I stopped. Uh, I, I still have my NES and SNES minis. Uh, and and I do plan to hack them eventually, but that that was... Those came out, and then yeah. it was just like, oh, well, what's the point of right. this project anymore? Yeah, I mean, doing it for a specific generation could be fun because there's still... It's still kind of tough to get into, um, like... PS2, GameCube, Xbox. In fact, I think Xbox emulation doesn't even exist. Like, I don't think yeah, I don't. Do I don't that. think there's any Xbox emulation. Which is amazing because somehow Microsoft did it. Like, they had it on Xbox 360. Like, they figured uh-huh. it out. No one else could, which is crazy. And they did it like perfectly, apparently. Well, um, I think it's because uh, I think part of the reason why no one's done it is because almost every Xbox game was has a PC port. Uh, maybe there there are examples where people definitely would want that to work like i think people really wish that there was a way to play the xbox version of silent hill 2 in uh, an emulator but there, there's stuff like that i i, I again uh, you're right a lot of those games are on pc or or were later made on 360 and other consoles so it's not like the most high priority console to do that for but i know that even ps2 it like took a really long time for that to happen like i think it just gets exponentially more complicated yeah, um, like my my uh, emulation station could do PS2, but it was chugging. Like mm-hmm. you could only do some games. I, but I feel like if you made one now, you probably could make it work. You know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah. So I, much, I feel like, and, and I think it'd be cool to have that in a GameCube. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, I'm just I don't know why Nintendo stopped with the annual thing. I was ready for Nintendo 64 Mini, oh, GameCube yeah. Mini. Just well, keep... again, I think these things get exponentially more complicated. I think it just yeah. it's just harder and harder to do. Um, like it's not the same. Like, you can have SNES games run on anything, and mm-hmm. same thing goes for NES and Genesis. But I think once you get past that, it's like not a not a one size fits all solution. Um, yeah, you can't just do that on a Raspberry Pi. You have to build custom hardware to make it work, probably. Which is funny because, like, I mean, you can put a PS One on a chip. You know, like yeah, the, the PS One emulation in, in PS Three was just like a chip. Like it was a, it was a a little box that could do it. And I think they figured that out, but maybe N64 is more complicated because it was, it was more powerful, but I think it's just, I think it's literally like you're saying, it just needs a little more power. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm not sure. I don't think raspberry Pis can do N64, but I, I remember back when I was, uh, on the PSP, uh, jailbreak or what, what, what do they call that? Custom firmware, uh, installed on my, uh, my PSP. I would play, old games, and I think we talked about this maybe, but uh, on the N64, uh, that was where you would start to see the first, like, mm-hmm. tears and glitches, mm-hmm. and like, oh, this uh, you, this texture didn't load properly, so all the background is just this green, yeah. even color. Like, it, th- there, were, there were a lot of l- weird little hiccups that would start to come in with the Nintendo 64 games. I think... Like, it's not technically that much more complicated, no. but I think it's... I think the N64, it's not just a matter of, like, power. There's stuff going on on the N64 about how it yeah. processes textures and objects that make it really complicated to even develop for yeah. the time. Because the PS1, like, you can tell it's clunk... Like, things just run clunkier, you know? Like, the way textures 
like kind of bump and bob around the screen like it just, the way that i think i think it's because on the n64 everything was triangles and then on ps1 everything was squares like that's how uh, the textures and and objects yeah. were like mapped out and so the the it's like these like tiles that kind of like jumble around each other as you yeah. move through space whereas on the n64 it's a much more like kind of modern um you don't see like the the uh objects were much stabler and so there yes. was a lot more um, processing. And you can going see on. that just com- comparing uh, 3D models from both systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely that that kind of kind of crackly look to uh, a lot of the PlayStation stuff. Whereas yeah. I think the Nintendo 64 stuff looks very uh, angular and very uh, sleek, but not very pixely. Yeah, well, it's also very soft. There's a lot of yeah. uh, of filter. Maybe that's the word I'm looking for. Um, is soft. It's everything's kind of foggy and and murky on N sixty four. Like that's definitely one of the the challenges there too. So I yeah I don't know. I think it would have been really smart to put on an N sixty four classic because I think N sixty four is just in terms of nostalgia demand have gone way up in the last couple of years. Um, the time to strike would have been like last year because yeah. I, I've heard from from retro game stores that like that's the hot item right now is old working N sixty fours. There's a lot of people who are trying to like relive their their five and six year old memories you know yeah absolutely um, and that's what it comes back to right it's it's, it's nostalgia it's, yeah because the ps1 classic didn't really hit well and part, part of it is because it didn't it wasn't a very well-made machine but also i think a lot of people owned ps1s as adults more than they'd own them as children you know and i think also no disrespect to anyone who owned a playstation one but i just don't think the playstation has a catalog of nostalgic titles that are are as iconic maybe in the same way or 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 had as much of an impact in the same way that, yes and that... no i think that there are because again the ps1 sold 100 million units like sure, there were sure. a lot of places but massively but also but... those games have been available in a lot of different ways and they've been remade and like you know yeah uh, crash bandicoot had a re-release recently and like final fantasy 7 is on everything and like it, it just the n64 things are kind of locked on that a bit yeah. more and they're kind of also built around revisiting just for an afternoon you know you can put in uh-huh. mario kart and just have fun with people there's not a whole lot on ps1 that doesn't take like 70 hours you know what i mean yeah, like a lot a of good the, good, the good things and and those things are for people who care about them and those people who care about them probably have them in some form you know mm-hmm. like i love the ps1 i never had one but i've been going back to playing a lot of those games but like it's very specific it's like i really like this game specifically and I don't really care about the system itself outside of that. You know, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I think the PS2 is kind of in a similar boat where, like, you have, like, the really big Kingdom Hearts fans and the really big Final right. Fantasy X fans and people who really liked Jag and Daxter. But it's not like there's this cohesion between all of these things that make it's this system huge, seem... It's a huge library, but it's not... Uh... It's it's not iconic in the same way, I guess. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm thinking there must be a racing game on the on the the PlayStation Classic. Oh yeah. But it's not. But it's not Mario Kart. Yeah. Is it is it, is it Crash Team Racing? It's probably like, Gran Turismo. Yeah, like it's 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 some kind of like generic car game, for lack of a better term, right? Like I'm I'm sure it's iconic to the people who played it, but it's not standing out because of how it looked. Right. Yeah, it's just kind of more ubiquitous. I think that's kind of yeah. the thing with PlayStation as a platform overall is that it's kind of like for the uh, for people like me especially, it's kind of just like the neutral space where games are played, you know? Yeah. Whereas like with Nintendo systems, there's a lot more of a uh, a theming going on that kind of makes it all sort of 
fit together nicely. And maybe some of that's changing with the Switch. I don't know. But um, it, it, I think that's just so, how I've always felt about it. It's like Nintendo systems have like specific... No, I think uh, I think you're right. I think uh, Sony has always tried to position their their consoles, particularly the PlayStation Two. I'm thinking it was very much like a a, a home device. It mm-hmm. wasn't even like a Nintendo. Very much, it it, it kind of advertises as like, yeah. And it, you think Nintendo sixty four, you think Mario, you think Zelda, you think their IP. When you think PlayStation. You don't really think about their IP. You think more about the functionality of the device. Yeah, and the ubiquity and how many people have it, and and yeah, and like yeah. just like oh yeah, like of course this Kingdom Hearts is going to come out on this because it's coming out on everything now yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So I don't know. I I would love there to be an N sixty four classic. I'd totally buy one, but uh, I don't know. They just seem like they're hesitant. I I wonder if if maybe also Switch Online has something to do with that. Like maybe they're planning on rolling it out there. I could see it being Switch Online. I could see it also being just because there was such supply and demand issues with the first two, and they know that N sixty four is going to be the hot one. Like mm-hmm. that's definitely going to be the one where they need to make the most yeah. stock. Um, it it could be that they're just still working on stocking up, maybe. But uh, maybe and maybe also those controllers make it difficult because they're just so much bigger. I don't know. Yeah, they're bigger and they're weird. They're yeah. you know they're they're not really. Uh, I think you could use the the NES and SNES controllers with the 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 Wii U, couldn't you? The Can the you connection the is the, the nunchuck, but I don't know if they. Their support, I, 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 I think, I think they were supported for classic games. I'd have to try that, um, because I could. I have my Wii hooked up right now. Actually, I got a a Wii HDMI adapter. Ooh! So that's been fun. Well, the the great thing about that is I remember uh, back in the day when we were talking about like streaming in college and in high school. An HD cord for uh, Wii was was like hundred a hundred dollars. It this, was really expensive. This cable was like ten dollars. It's not even a cable. It's just like a little plug, and it's like ten dollars. I love I love how things have progressed. <laughs> it's it's great. like it's like when I when I bought a uh, hundred I bought a one gigabyte memory card for my PSP, and it cost me a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. And that now you could get like a five hundred gigabyte one for like. Who knows how little? Yeah, I have a I have a project maybe. in the future that I it's gonna cost a bit of money, but not a ton. But I have this like, you can probably see I have like this this big like table thing behind me. Yeah, and in it are all of my old consoles. So I have like two N sixty fours. I have a Famicom. I have a GameCube. I have PS one and uh, Xbox and other stuff. And my plan is to get like th- there's a couple of companies that make um, HDMI adapters for like specific consoles, and you have to. I mean, uh-huh. they're like thirty forty dollars each, so it's like not cheap because the whole project would still cost a couple hundred dollars to get everything plugged in but i want them all to be routed through like a single uh, hdmi hub and Ooh, and then just have a switcher that you could yeah use. and i have them next to the couch so that like i can easily plug in cables and stuff like uh, controllers and, and switch things around really easily so yeah i'll have like an hdmi cable going around the room plugging into the tv yeah. in the back and that's like a project for someday when i have like a, a little bit of money to throw at it but um it's a good project i like that idea yeah I, uh, I'm excited because I really want to like play some of these, but those cables, I'm worried I, I may be sleeping on them because I don't know if they're going to be available forever. But um, well, well uh, in, in my experience, they'll only get cheaper with time. But yeah, uh, I think I think that's a pretty good note for us to to start fading to music on. Yeah, because uh, I, I wanted to end with one recommendation. I played a sure. game uh, this week called The Missing, and I think you should play it. 
The Missing. I I know The Missing with JJ. Yes. I I'm actually gonna be working on. So my plan actually was to do a video on The Missing. Uh, after I I I think I might have told you to play The Missing. Did you play The Missing? I love The Missing. Okay, because I had a feeling it would mean a lot to you, and I wanted to. Uh... Well, so because I I without spoiling the ending, yes, it does mean a lot to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Uh, I, that was actually I'm, I'm working on a video project right now, but uh, I was I, I have in my mind plans for a smaller scale second video project about the missing. Well, I'm glad. So I'm I'm shocked to hear you mention it because it's I, it's you it's it. one of my like oh my god this game's amazing, but you wouldn't know it unless you played it to the end, right? And no one's gonna play it to the end because it's so difficult to play. It's not that <laughs> it's not that bad. I actually thought it was really fun, but uh, it well, definitely. I, 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 I guess what my what I meant is, and now we're just gonna gush about it for a little while. But uh, not that it was hard, but I mean like it's uncomfortable to play. It also just like looks and feels like very cheap and janky at first, and I think a lot of people yes. would, like not assume that it has anything interesting to say. You know? Yeah, I think I think it's a very janky game, and then on top of that, I think everyone I've introduced it to anyway without ruining the ending for them whenever i explain like oh yeah this is what you do in the game they kind of look at me and say like why would you want to play a game where you're maiming this poor girl like what, <laughs> why would, would you want to play a game where you're watching this poor girl rip her arms off and like you know be being really really badly hurt and also like screaming like yeah. she's not happy when it's happening no yeah <laughs> But anyway, that, uh, I don't want to tip my hand too much, but I think, yes, that's a great game. I'm really happy you played it. Yeah, we liked uh, it. I, I love that game. Good. Um, well, I, 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 didn't, I didn't know if you would play because it seems like such an obscure thing. I wouldn't have known that, uh, that you would You know, I only, I only know it because it's the same guy who made uh, Deadly Premonition. Oh, yeah, it's sweary. FK uh, in the coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, uh, uh, practicing yeah, no, Buddhist that- monk. That uh, is he really? He is, yeah. <laughs> Had no idea, but yeah, uh, I I uh, I don't know. That makes me really happy that you guys played that game because yeah. I love that game. It was on sale for like the first time ever. It was. It's always been thirty dollars, and then it was like ten dollars a couple weeks ago. So. It, uh, something I had my eyes on. It's so. just it's it's it tells its story in a really good way. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it's it gets a little messy at the end, but that's also where the reveal is. So. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's uh, that's a good place to uh, to leave us. I actually recorded an outro. I'm going to see. I, re- I recorded it after drinking an entire bottle of La Fin du Monde, so it might it might not sound great. I might have to redo awesome. that one. But awesome. Uh, we'll we'll see. <laughs> Can't wait to hear it. <laughs> I uh, I got a little little too uh, too affected on Friday night because it was uh, it was just it was quarantine time, you know and. Everyone's got to cope, cope somehow. Yeah, you know? exactly. And you know, if it's the end of the world, might as well drink La Fin du Monde. So, might as well. <laughs> anyway, this has been fun. I'm Travis. This is Sam. We'll see you later. Goodbye. Bye. Hey everybody, it's me, it's Travis. I am, I've had a whole bottle of La Fin du Monde. I'm a little out of it, but I'm gonna try to do our, our ending anyway. Uh, special thanks go to Aesthetics Please, aestheticsplease.bandcamp.com. 
is where you're going to find his uh, sweet tunes. Uh, not to mention uh, music.businesscasual.biz. Find some other, other good business casual stuff there. Our music is uh, provided generously with his permission. He's our favorite, our favorite musician of all time. Better than the Beatles. So uh, you should definitely check him out. And yeah, I hope uh, we, we don't have any, um, any social media or uh, email address or anything. So you, uh, you, there's no way to contact us. So uh, if you want to ask us a question, uh, I'm sorry, you, you, just, you just can't. So that's, uh, that's it. Hope to see you next week. Stay classy, fuckers. Goodbye.